You're listening to the Geek and Glitter podcast, where we talk all things geeky, from fashion to lifestyle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm Wendy Lee. I'm one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 60. Holy crap, I can't believe it's number 60. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my lovely co-host, Nikita Francois. Six zero, my goodness. So I feel many. Like, I feel like we're old or something. 60. Right? Should, should we have had like a, a 60th party or something? Make balloons, throw confetti. Right, blow out the candles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been such a crazy journey because this podcast was sort of meant to be a kind of accompaniment to the blog. Um, and it's just really interesting kind of the progression and the evolution that it's taken. Um, I've had many amazing people co-host the show with me. And uh, I love that you and I have been on this journey for the last, gosh, I don't even know how many episodes you and I have done together. A bunch. A bunch. But it's been it's been really amazing. It's just been so much fun to talk geek stuff with you. I know. Um, I know. So cool. So fun. And I learn something new every single time, which is amazing. I think my favorite is waiting to see what you're going to tell me what you have for your shout out corner. <laughs> Likewise. <'Cause> it, <laughs> it's either really good food or really cool and interesting thing that I want to run, jump and leap to get immediately. Exactly. And that's what we do on this podcast. Um, it is called the Geek and Glitter Podcast. It is based in geek fashion, lifestyle and geeky news. Uh, but we also add some of our personal faves in there, which 99% of the time is still based in geek stuff. So, you know, grab a coffee, a matcha, a snack, and hang out as we go through our topics today. We've got some theme park news. We've got some updates. We're talking about the Met Gala. We're talking about all of it. Um, But before we start the Met Gala talk, which I know we're both dying to get into, (laughs) the listeners know, you guys know that you and I actually met up in real life finally after over a year I think was the last time prior that I saw you like before pandemic and all that stuff um we actually finally did like a you know in-person meetup when it was safe to do so at the Boba Muffle Boba Tea Cafe yeah and oh I mean obviously you were the highlight of the meetup because I love you Wendy oh I love you too but the boba the tater tots and the spicy Thai chicken sandwich. Oh, my gosh. So good. So good. So good. So naturally, I had to go back. I actually had a friend visit from uh, Florida, and he's never had boba before. Wait. Wait. <laughs> he's never had – actually, he's been on the show. Him and my friend Savannah um, Audit um, were on the show because they – so he runs a podcast called The Interesting Podcast – and it, the podcast sounds like sounds like the name. He wants to talk to you because what makes you interesting? And he's even, uh, interviewed everybody from Nathan Hamill to uh, Ahmed Best to Yuri Lowenthal. So everybody in the geek world. And Savannah and Brian have a podcast together. And they actually created a Star Wars-inspired radio drama. So I actually mm-hmm. had them on the podcast talking about that. So Brian was in L.A. for a week. And I was like, dude, let's go get Boba. I was under the impression he's had boba in Florida because I was pretty sure that even though maybe it's a little bit more scarce, they would still have it there. But I believe there is none near him because he's never tried before. Whoa. Yeah. So I took him, took him to Boba Mofo and he got the tiger milk tea, uh, brown sugar tiger milk tea. 
Yum, yum, yum. Yum. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they have a couple of seasonal drinks that are at the shop right now. And last time you and I didn't get this. And we said, we got to get it before the summer ends. And that's their watermelon oat milk. Mm. And oh my gosh, I texted you actually right away yeah. <laughs> that day as soon as I came back. And I said, Run, don't walk to Bofomofa. You need to get this watermelon oat milk drink. It's very, obviously, all summer vibes. It's very okay. creamy, but it's oat milk. So it's not going to hurt your stomach if you yeah. have any issues with dairy or if you're um, eating vegan or plant-based. And it's just refreshing and delicious and so light. But that watermelon flavor, the sweetness really comes through. And I was like, this needs to be year-round if watermelon was year-round. Mm, yeah, true. Because it is more of a seasonal fruit type of situation. Wait, is it a fruit? Because it grows out of the ground or is it considered a vegetable? Ooh, good question. But it has seeds as well. Right. So it might be one of those. Fruitstable? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fruitable. <laughs> just, invented, just inventing words here on the Geek Glitter podcast. <laughs> Vegetable. <laughs> Next time you go back, you got to get it. I will absolutely. To hear firsthand that it is worth the hype, I'm sold. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah, definitely better than my strawberry corn milk. I was so excited about that. I know, but it was a little disappointing uh, from what you were describing. So, yeah. meh. not my style, but a lot of people like it. So, it's probably just me, but that's okay. It's okay. We all have preferences. So, it's all good. I, I And I still have not tried like 60% of their menu anyway. Right, <laughs> <So> right. <laughs> keep going to get, get the same thing. And, um, oh, I also want to talk to the viewers about how we've taken the last two weeks off. Uh, one of them was because it was my birthday and I was not here in L.A. So um, Nikita and I took that one week off. And it wasn't just like a nice, chill, B-day getaway. When I told people like, oh, I'm having a birthday weekend, they were thinking like, Things about to get crazy in here, like oh. we're throwing down. I went to Vegas. There were speculations. I was like, what? "Have you heard me talk about being in crowded places during a pandemic? Why would I go to Vegas?" Right, right. Like that. Nothing is the wrong with it. Of what Wendy would do. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with Vegas. It just wasn't my vibe for my birthday. No, we just went back up to uh, Lake Arrowhead with uh, my friends Ken and Grace. Grace have been on the podcast before. She's a Reiki master. And then Dustin, of course, and the dogs. So Grace has a little uh, champion chihuahua named Baxter. <laughs> and Baxter and Navi got along fantastically. We were Great. so happy. Um, and it was just a chill weekend. We just stayed in the house. We didn't go anywhere else. We brought food. We cooked. We ate. We talked, we brought a bunch of board game and only played one. And that's how you know you're spending some quality time with friends. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah. Question, what board game was it? Oh, it's a board game called Zombies. Let me see. I'm going to, I know it's right behind me. So I'm going to just turn around and take a look at the name of the, the creator. It's by Twilight Creations Incorporated. Mm. And it's, it's really interesting. So um, it's turn-based game and you're obviously in the zombie apocalypse. Fun. <laughs> and we all are, want that we all want that Walk, walking dead and you're you're of course armed with uh a little bit of weapons you know obviously you've got your 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 well-being your health uh but you're 
you've got zombies and you're surrounded in this in this town and the goal of the game is to kill either 25 zombies or get to the helicap the the helipad so you can fly out of there so a little bit like left for dead um the problem is you only have three bullets and you have three lives so basically it's a tile and dice game so you have this little minis that are you know some of them are resembles the player some of them resembles the zombies a lot of them resemble the zombies and you start in this little town square that's a little cross section intersection and then every single player when it's the top of their turn they draw a faced down tile and then they reveal and then you essentially build your game map gotcha oh that, that sounds really fun it's really interesting next time if like when we meet up we, we i'll bring it over or something we can play it because it's a lot of fun um so because every single time you don't know what kind of map you're gonna get right right yeah and there's different stores that you can go into go quote unquote into in the shop and you can maybe pick up extra bullets or extra lives in there like if you come in, if you go into the hospital there's tons of hearts but it's also overrun by zombies so you have to shoot your way in you know, in order to get those health points and get out. Um, and then you can die, obviously. And basically when you die, you just respawn back in Times Square, but you lose half the zombies you've killed. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So it can be a lot of fun because it's, and you have, you know, little event cards that you can play on your friends or on yourself. You can say like, oh, there's one that's called like all the marbles. And that means like the zombies can't move. During, <laughs> during this run because the zombies also move around at the end of each player's oh, I turn. see. Okay. So they're not just oh. like stuck. Yeah, you, you you can have a game plan, but your game plan is going to change very quickly in a turn. Right, right. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's uh, it's fantastic. And we love it. Cool, cool, so, cool. That, so that's the only game we played. And I finished watching Cool Rokai. Oh, finally. Yay. So what are your thoughts? Uh, girl, I'm invested. I love it. Yay. <laughs> the second Martin Cove showed up, when Chris showed right. up, again, I was like, this man is bad news. <laughs> and gets worse and worse and worse. There there are some, it's very 80s. Like yeah, as far as absolutely. like, I know it's set in modern time, but like some of the dialogue and everything, and I get it, it's made for the fans, you know, who watch Karate Kid growing up. That's you and I. Yeah. Um, And it's just so, it's just, there's some plot holes where I was like, well, how can you tell me Crease is able to take over the lease like that, like <laughs> legally? But like, then that would not work in real life. <laughs> right. But then you kind of look at like, I guess Johnny had a handshake deal with, you know, the landlord. The landlord, yeah. And then Crease essentially bullied him into giving him the space. The both of them, both the landlord and Honestly, Johnny. Honestly, yeah, the landlord was pretty bullyable <laughs> in oh his dealings. <laughs> Unbelievable. But for me, it was really more of the how much the kids were able to get away with it, with the fights. There's like, no yes, way. They got suspended and all of that stuff. But some of the other stuff, like, uh, what is it? Um, vandalizing the dojo. I was like, we, we don't call the cops. Right. We just, you, we just skip over that in the show, you know, suspension of disbelief, like because eh. revenge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going to teach the kids that revenge and fighting is more important. <laughs> strike hard, strike fast. Right. No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I love it. No, but I'm invested and I'm very excited for the next two seasons. Yeah. 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 Should be yes. fun, fun, fun. <laughs> Do we know when season four is coming out? Soon, I think. Um, is it next month? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna it's binge that whole up. thing. Oh, 
I can't wait. It's uh, December. Ooh, very soon. Okay. Wow, there's going to be a lot of things to watch in December. I know. I know. I feel like it's just pummeling us with so much content this December between amazing movie releases, show renewals or new seasons. We have a lot coming. And I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Well, while you were uh, recovering this weekend, tell us what you did and, and why you need recovery time. I need recovery time because my body feels broken because I finally participated in my 5K run in Long Beach last week. And I had an absolute blast. All the weeks of training and working hard toward it paid off, you know, like tenfold. It was such a great experience. Um, I was able to have a PR, which is personal record. In my running time, I shaved off 30 seconds in my normal 5K run time that I was doing in my practice runs. And I attribute that to um, when training and going out on my morning jogs, I've incorporated a quarter mile of my run to strictly uphill. So I think that helped with my endurance and the fact that when I got to Long Beach on actual 5K day, the course itself was predominantly flat. So I had a little bit more endurance and the ability to push through and push hard and not feel so winded like halfway through or something like that, where typically your body starts to play that mind game with you. Like, I want to give up, but you have to convince yourself like, no, you've been practicing, you've been running, you can do this. So if anyone who's listening is a runner, uh, I would recommend don't just wake up one morning and decide to do a 5K. (laughs) I don't think your body would appreciate you very much for that. Definitely set a goal that's realistic for you. Uh, For me, it was five weeks of training. Um, Although I followed a four-week plan, what I just did was repeat week one twice because I knew I hadn't run in years. So I felt like I wanted to give myself as much time to adapt as possible. And I'm very glad I did. I had so much fun, in fact, that I am now going to be doing two more 5Ks. Um, I will, I'll be doing a virtual run in October, which is basically like an honor system. So you sign up for the race and they uh, they believe after you send screenshots of your runtime that you completed a 5K on your own. So you could do it in your neighborhood on a treadmill even. You could walk it if you want to. And then they send you like a finisher's medal and all that fun kind of swag. And then on Thanksgiving, I will be participating in an LA turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning, um, which... That one, I'm doing it just for fun. I'm not trying to like either improve time or run really fast or come in first or anything like that. But I think it'd be a great way to just start off Thanksgiving morning <laughs> with good, healthy exercise before I shove all the things into my face. <laughs> you can have literally anything you want on that table on Thanksgiving. That is the goal. You would have, yeah. <laughs> getting all that calorie burned right there. And then you can, you know, it's the best part is the recovery because you right. can- eat the good food, get the turkey, and then you can food coma out. And then I'm done. I don't have to worry about running the next morning or the next two days if I don't want to, because technically after a race, you should allow your body as many days of rest as as many miles you ran. So 5Ks are three miles, so you should have three days of rest. So I'm good for the whole Thanksgiving weekend after that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. Is it – do you feel, you know, because – you signed up for one marathon, which you mm-hmm. completed, and you've got two more upcoming. Yep. Is it a little addicting? It, I think the answer is yes, 
And I kind of knew, I would say week three of my training, that it was going to be something I would continue after the first race. But it was the first race that I finished walking out of. I was just like, the adrenaline high is like, oh my gosh, I need to do this again. (laughs) Sign me up, put me in coach. Right. And I mean, um, I am in the entertainment industry. So health and fitness is just part of my way of life anyway. So this for me is just another way to continue my, you know, health and exercise journey. Now I get to incorporate runs a couple days a week into that portion. So it's not something I'm necessarily doing on top of a bunch of other stuff. It fits into my lifestyle anyway. So, so why not do a 5k once a month on a weekend? I think it's good stuff. I love it. What a great way to stay fit. Like you know, I think sometimes we want to stay fit and work out. Um, but I think there are days, not just that you're tired, but there are days where you're like, what's what's the purpose? But you have a goal where, right. you know, after you do one marathon, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to wait four weeks, put on my shoes and just like, okay, let's go. Because <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. No, there's there's no way. Like you, you have to, at the very least, maintain what you did to get you to the first marathon. But if you're setting goals like running faster or farther, you know, things like that, then you have to work even harder. My goal is not necessarily to run faster or come in first. It's just to maintain this and periodically do a 5K here and there because the medals are nice and some of the swag is cool. I got a nice T-shirt the other day and a power bank. I can't complain. I mean, that sounds like a good deal to me. Right. <laughs> and you got exercise and you got some some good sweat out of it. Right, right. Sweating and you feel good. good afterwards. So Yeah. Amazing. I recommend it. If you can do it, do it. Keep us updated on your upcoming uh, marathons. And we'd love to hear about your results after and your experience afterwards. Will do. Nice. Uh, we also put on our show notes because – how do you not talk about the Met Gala? But we're not going to go over all the outfits because some of the articles had like over 180 images. And I was like, I can't, I don't, I can't keep up. So we're just going to talk about some of our favorite outfits. This is, this is the one event people show up and it's the bigger, the better, the more, the better. The more is more. The more is more and could be even more than that more. (laughs) Yes, and they didn't have one last year, right? Uh, you know, because of COVID. But this year they did it, and the theme, uh, it says here on on the article, the theme of the evening reflects the Metropolitan Museum Costume Institution exhibition in America, a lexicon of fashion. Mm-hmm. So it's like really anything goes, right? For the most anything part, goes. for the most part, anything, right? anything goes. What were some of the uh, looks that stood out to you? I, the first one that I immediately made the connection to the theme, because for me, um, watching a lot of the images drop on the evening of the Met Gala, I was looking for who immediately made that connection. Like, okay, this is America. How can I tie in the theme? Because I, as the viewer, did not want to spend a lot of time trying to guess or figure out. So straight off the bat, Rihanna with her like puffer jacket coat thing, I was like, boom, that's very, especially if you're in the Northeast or even I guess Northwest a little bit too with the rainy weather, you have a puffer jacket for the cold snowy months throughout the year. So for me, that just made sense. Also, I know not everyone was a fan of Kim Kardashian's outfit, 
And at first it kind of threw me off. But then when I read that it was a t-shirt outfit, then it was like, oh, boom. Yes, t-shirts are very American, iconic. Everybody has tons of t-shirts, many for no reason. But it, it, <laughs> is, it is, it's super American to have, you know, a basic, either a black tee or a basic white tee. So I yes. thought it was interesting that she just made a t-shirt, like haute couture. And then after that, I loved um, Lupita Nyong'o's because hers oh. was a denim gown. And we know, like, if there's any country in this world that has embraced denim, it is yes. America. It is the United States of America. I mean, yes. since the country's founding, I want to say denim has been kind of like a pivotal wardrobe staple, whether it's casual, even around the house, you can dress it up, dress it down. Like, denim is so versatile. And I think here in the States, we've really embodied any kind of denim into any kind of look. Yes. And then absolutely. after that, the one to me that was the most moving, I, I hope I don't butcher her name, is Kwana or Kuana Chasing Horse. She is an American model, but also land protector um, in Alaska, born in as part of one of the Navajo nations, she wore this beautiful kind of metallic bronzy um, outfit that had a long, beautiful train and a traditional turquoise jewelry that looked absolutely stunning on her. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that's symbolic of, of America, I think it would be our indigenous tribes a thousand percent. So that was, I was not expecting to see anything like that. It didn't even like occur to me that, oh, I wonder if there'll be indigenous representation at the event. So when she came out and I started seeing pictures of that, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, we we have that. That's so cool. So yeah. those would be my top, I guess those are four, yeah, top four picks of the evening. Excellent. I love that. I think without knowing the theme going in, I would say some of my top looks, um, look, I'm a Blackpink stan, I'm a blank. So when I saw Rosé of Blackpink walk in, I was like, <laughs> Yes, immediately favorite look. And I love that she still went with a style that she's very comfortable with, which is a more of a shorter mini dress style right. as opposed to something that's super glam. Um, but I loved how chic she looked. And I thought, you know, like it just really, really worked well for her frame. And then I, I feel like I got to talk about Lil Nas. <laughs> yes, <Because> absolutely. <laughs> came with not one, not two, but three whole outfit changed on the red carpet, which <laughs> reminds me a little bit of like, I think it was two, three years ago. And a lot of the stars were also doing this something similar where, right. you know, they were like Zendaya had her like glow Cinderella dress that was just absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So I really loved those two looks, because I, I love looks that's kind of when you look, you're like stunned. You're just like, they did what now? Exactly. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Billie Eilish, just classic. You know, she's blonde right now. She's got this peachy blush pink. She looks like, to me, like a mixture of Marilyn Monroe, a ballerina, and just very, mm -hmm. very timeless. Right. Uh, and I, and I, very soft, very timeless, and I love her in that. And then... To go with the theme of America, uh, we got to take a look at Dan Levy in his whole outfit. I know. That was genius. Wow. With the map. Yeah. You know, with the couple kissing forefront on the chest with yep. the puffy sleeves. <laughs> wow. 
yeah, that one blew me away. And there's so many other looks too, just because we didn't mention them doesn't mean they were bad. It's just there were so many, too many to talk about. Agreed. A lot yeah. of great, great looks came out. Of course, there were some that were kind of like, mm, looks like a prom dress, but okay, yep. sure, fine. But I think um, people heard the mission and the designers really came out and did uh, very unique, but also fun styles for a lot of the um, celebrities we saw donning them on the red carpet. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really loved it. Really enjoy it. And I always watch. I'm just like, man, how much is that one accessory? Oh, $10 million. <laughs> oh, okay. Looks at savings <laughs> account. Uh. <laughs> I will just keep wearing this bracelet that I got. Right. At Claire's? At Claire's. Claire's. Is Claire's represented on the carpet? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, let us know if you have any favorite looks from the Met Gala. You can do so by emailing us at thegeekandglitter at gmail address, or you can leave us a voicemail on Anchor, which is where the Geek and Glitter podcast is hosted on. Now, now we're going to go ahead and dive into our main topics. Both of us uh, picked theme parks. And again, we don't really discuss what topics we're picking. We just put them in the notes so we don't see them until the day of recording, which is kind of cool. So we've definitely got Universal Studios Hollywood on our mind right now. And Akita, it is spooky season. It is, it is here. <laughs> it's finally here. Get ready. Get your, get your stomach ready for all the candy, for all the pumpkin spice, for all the scariness. So last year, there was a lot of haunts that were not happening. Halloween Horror Nights didn't happen, but they are coming back this year, and they're coming back strong because... Mm -hmm. It was a whole year missing, but they still, you know, keep it safe. So this year, they're back with seven mazes, two scare zones. So for scare zone-wise, they have one on New York Street, and the theme is, I think, devils or demons, like all variations of devils and demons. And then the other one, it's over on French Street near the Minions Ride, and that is right next to the Bride of Frankenstein maze, and it's an all-female scare zone, which I was like, yes, scare ladies, let's get it, because I've worked with a lot <laughs> of these ladies, um, scare ladies, and their endurance and their drive, it's, it's unmatched. They're fantastic uh, and just as scary. Um, nice. So I got to attend for their media day, which was their opening day. And I was like, okay, let's – and, you know, I did hesitate for like a second because I wasn't sure how I felt about being in the crowded place. And, yes, your time inside the maze is probably four minutes tops if it's really, really busy. Um, but an opening night press day on a Thursday, I knew based on past experiences – it wasn't going to be that busy. Um, okay. And for press, they let us actually go through the express line. You have a one-time use express pass for each of the maze. I guess if you have to go through it again because you didn't get a shot or something like that, you'd have to ask permission. Mm. But they're very, very nice to media because obviously they want the coverage. And I'm working on a whole video for the Movie Couple channel. And that should be, hopefully I can finish editing it today because it needs to go up it's already saturday so it needs to go up um but we were very excited dustin and i were very excited for the haunting of hill house maze and that's a big ip it's a netflix show it's very scary if you haven't watched it mm -hmm. don't watch it in the dark by yourself <laughs> and it was very it was pretty it was uh, you know as i expected um but i was a little 
mm, how do I say this? I thought there would be more to the production design based hmm. on the show. And yes, yeah, some of the elements were there. There's one specific scene that was a huge standout. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but if you've seen the show, you probably know which scene I'm talking about. And I love that they were able to pull that off because that's definitely a corner that you come across and you go, wow, how do they do that? That's great. Um, but actually, favorite maze was, I was surprised that I even chose this because I was looking forward to it just because I wanted to see how they do it. Um, but I was surprised that I liked it so much because of the production design. Um, and it's the Bride of Frankenstein. Really? It's gorgeous. You could tell the story that they're telling. The set pieces are really intricate. They used, they definitely utilized, um, you know, a lot of acting as well in it. There were a lot more. It felt like it was a fuller maze, more filled with characters than, okay. than with some of the other ones. And sometimes, you know, when you're walking through a maze, you can't expect the actors to be in there all night. They do switch out the teams. So if you're half through a switch out, that sometimes it, for that one moment, it might feel a little sparse, but like 90% of the time, the maze is filled. Um, so, but I felt like the way they laid it out, the way they placed the characters and the way the characters worked with each other, it was just a great combination. So that was a top favorite maze for me. And so those were the two new mazes this year. And then the other four, we have seen them in the past year. That includes the Curse of the Pandora Box the Texas Chainsaw, there's the Michael Myers maze, there is Terra Tram, and I think I'm missing one. Let's see, what did I say? Hill House, Bride mm -hmm. of Frankenstein, Pandora, Texas Chainsaw, Michael Myers, oh, um, Exorcist. Then there's the Walking ah. Dead. That's a, you know, a day daytime extraction as well. And then there is the Ultimate Purge. Ooh. Down at Terra Tram. That one was fun too. But uh Bride of Frankenstein definitely takes the cake for me with uh, Texas Chainsaw following very close behind. Nice, nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was, you know, it's interesting. The sign said it was sewed out. Okay. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> I was a little afraid of that. And it was rare that they would sell out on a opening day. Typically, it didn't happen until like that weekend. Right. Um, like, so I would never be surprised that they're sold out on weekend days. But for day one, Thursday, I was kind of surprised. And I think that goes to show how much people missed attractions yeah. like this. But I was a little worried about, you know, the crowd. And while outdoors, kind of like if you were to go to Disney, you're not required to wear a mask if you're outdoor. Dustin and I kept ours on the whole time. We actually double masked. And I told him we're not reviewing food because I'm not taking the mask off. <laughs> right, eat. right, yeah. <laughs> so there's no food review, unfortunately, in our video. Um, but inside the maze before entering, everybody has to put their mask on. Uh, and gotcha. there was definitely somebody checking to make sure you were not uh -huh. allowed inside that maze until you put it around. You see a lot of people scrambling in their pockets looking, <laughs> looking for that mask. To put it on. Um, the wait time for opening day, the longest that I saw, which is for the newest maze, which was the Hill House maze, was at 60 minutes at the longest from what I saw. Could have okay. been a little bit longer. Um, but then I saw it shorter as well towards the end of the night. And then the other mazes ranged between 15 minutes to half an hour wait time. Oh, okay. Which is, okay. Which is not bad. But I will right. still say having that um, – express pass if you're planning to go mm -hmm. it's going to be a good investment it means you don't have to sit in the crowded line that that some people aren't able to quite 
you know, social distance or they forget, you're kind of clumped together. And because you are waiting outside, not everybody is wearing a mask. Right. Uh, so yeah, if you're a little worried about that, if you're worried about that, Express Pass is the way to go. So that's what I that's what I have to say. It's just very fun to see the event back, to see the cha- to hear and see the chainsaws, you know, scaring people left and right. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It was amazing. That is so, so cool. I'm glad you were able to go on opening day so you see everything fresh and you can kind of compare it to the past, but also see what changes they may have implemented in these COVID times that we're in right now. So that is really, really good. I'm glad you guys had a great time going and we're able to get all those good scares. All and I didn't good realize scares. there was seven mazes. That's a lot. Why do I feel like it was less before? It, I, it's actually just about as much. Oh, okay. But they okay. do, but they do more scare zones. So the scare zone, there were only two. It was only on the upper, you know, the main level of Universal. Right. In the, in the lower lot, they used to have one too. Like if you're walking off the escalator, the stairway or starway, um, towards transformers there would be a scare zone there too they didn't do that and they definitely oh i should mention i think the theme park and this is not confirmed but the theme park i feel have cast less people uh yeah in order to keep everybody safe and they also have placed a lot of actors behind the plexiglass Oh, in order to keep them a little bit safe, right? Safer, and I do remember hearing some of the you know traditional haunt goers complain about it, but it's not really noticeable because they actually dress the plexiglass, so you can't tell. Uh, Okay, that there's an actor and there's a light up effect until they bang on the plexiglass, which is still a trick that they've done in the past, regardless. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're not missing anything just because a scarecrow is not going to get in your face. In the mazes, it's actually kind of hard to get in people's face and then go back to your spot. There's a very specific method of, of scaring when you're in a maze um, for Universal. Um, I personally call it scare and scram. <laughs> that's, 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 what I, that's what I call it because especially if the line is stopped and you know how that happens. Right. Hit a, right. Little, hit a little traffic jam inside the maze. What is a character supposed to do? Come out every single time? No, yeah. Seen them, and you know some of the guests. Sometimes some people want to be jerks and they want to go in to prove that they're not Mm -hmm. easily scared or they're tough or they want to try to mess with the characters. Like that's not why you you pay to come in. You pay to have a good time. We're gonna show you a good time. We're gonna try to scare you because that's the whole point of Halloween Horror Nights. So if you're gonna get angry that somebody's scaring you, this is the wrong event for you. Go scare yourself by looking in the mirror. Yeah. Think about what you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, and you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter was actually open. Yes. During uh, Halloween Horror Nights. I want to say in the past, they've kind of kept it closed. Right. And I heard rumors that there would be Death Eaters roaming around. So we went in to look. We unfortunately did not see any Death Eaters. So okay, if anybody I was going to ask if you saw, yeah. Oh, okay. I wish. I that wish. would have so been great knows. if they did that. Right? Maybe it was an Orlando thing. I don't know. I'll have to check with oh, my Oh, true. Sources. Could be. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe. But you bet we definitely picked up the Butterbeer on the yes. way Yes. Woohoo. <laughs> Walked through the scare zone holding our cup like, no The spill, best no way. <laughs> It makes the scare a little bit more tolerable. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I'm not scared. I got butterbeer. I got butterbeer. What do you you're mean try, You're trying to protect it. You're no longer scared. 
<laughs> and speaking of that, that is your topic for this week. Yeah. So I went to Wizarding World of Harry Potter post-race, literally immediately after the race, as my form of celebration for competing, completing the 5K last weekend. And um, I, I'm a huge Harry Potter geek. I love any and all things related to HP. I am a Gryffindor student. I have been placed according to Pottermore and the Sorting Hat. I've taken it several times to verify with different email addresses. But yes, I am a true Gryffindor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so uh, when I went, I decided to kind of pay attention to what are some of the tips and tricks that would be, I guess, useful for anyone who hasn't gone before or maybe has gone but didn't know some of these things existed. So similar to what you said before, because Halloween Horror Nights is going on right now, I know Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, which is the most amazing new technology ride ever um, is open during the Halloween Horror Nights hours. However, the other ride here at Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, Flight of the Hippogriff, is not open during the evening hours. So that's just something to be aware of. It's not like um, everything in that section of the park will be available or full access to you if you go in the evening to get your scares. Um, but one of the several tips I do have to share is going as a single writer, especially for Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, if you're in a group, because the way the seats are, it's four in a little section, but you're closed off. So there are these like mini walls in between you. So I would say even if you're in a group, not to worry so much that if you go in the single rider line, you won't be able to enjoy the ride with your friends because you honestly won't see them during the ride anyway. Um, so if you can, that for me going on a Sunday where it was super crowded and lots of people, it was only five minutes from the time I walked in like the front outside area through the lockers and then on through continuing through the single rider line to where you board and get on the ride, five minutes. All I had to do was stop at the very end. The um, wonderful employee that was letting the riders go was like, oh, it's just you? I said, yep. He said, okay, hold on one second. He let a couple of groups go. He found a group of three. I was like, okay, perfect. You go with her. So we went into the same little section of cart area and boom. So I, I only stood there waiting literally for like 10 seconds until that party of three came over. I was able to jump immediately into the ride, scream my head off and continue about my merry Gryffindor Harry Potter way. Wow. So again, yeah, I highly recommend because when I went, it was a little after 10, so a little after they opened and the posted wait time on the app while I was walking over was 25 minutes. When I actually got to the entrance to jump on the single rider line, it was already a 35 minute wait. But again, I only, I did it all in five minutes, literally the amount of time it takes to walk through the entire thing. That's amazing. What a great hack. Absolutely. So again, I wouldn't worry so much if you're in a group that, oh, I want to sit next to the, da, da, da. you're not going to see them before, during, or after the ride <laughs> at all. So I think you'll be okay doing, and you can go with your group like in the single rider line, but each of you may be separated. You'll be fine. Just wait for each other in uh, Filch's uh, emporium of lost goods afterward, and then you guys can link back up and continue about your adventure. So that's I my do- first hack. 
Amazing. I do want to ask you a question about the ride before we go on to the next hack. Sure, sure. You said that there were walls between the the rides. So did they make that switch for the pandemic? Well, no, it's not. How do I explain it? Because it's kind of like... It's a seat of four on a little gondola. Right, exactly. And there are these half... It's like a half wall because I literally, if I look left or right, you don't see anyone. That's true. Okay. I gotcha. I was just—I just wanted to clarify. I was like, "Wait, because it's, oh, right. it's, it's been a minute. It's—it's been a minute since I've been on the ride." Yeah, yeah, yeah. These aren't like added walls or plexiglass or anything like that. It's just the way the ride itself has been built. You can't see the person next to you, which the uh, seating apparatus, the gondola, um, seats four. So even though you're in a group of four, you're not looking at the people you're sit- seated with. So nice. yeah, it's a little little trick, little hack. If you're either pressed for time or you are just not willing to wait on a 35 or longer minute line, because throughout the day, the, I mean, Forbidden Journey always gets a super long wait as the days went on, and by mid afternoon it was at 65 minutes. So Ugh. yeah, so again, if you can or want to, I would definitely recommend the single rider line. Um, the next hack has to do with the delicious butter beer, of course. So we know there's uh, one main cart outside in the kind of walkway area of Hogsmeade where you can get butter beer. You can go also go inside of the Three Broomsticks, order food and order butter beer. And if you didn't know, in the back of Three Broomsticks, they have Hogshead, which is a little bar area. But it's not just a bar with alcoholic beverages. There as well, you can order butter beer. And there's hardly ever people lined up or super long wait in Hogshead because most people assume it's only alcohol. No, 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 my friends. You can get your butterbeer there as well for a very, very, very short wait time and kind of skip all the long lines that tend to accumulate at the outside cart or in the three broomsticks. So do it. Get your butterbeer. But Wendy, before I continue, I have a question for you. What is your favorite way to have your butterbeer? Is it the frozen version, the regular, or the hot? Ooh, such a great question. And I don't know how to answer. I think I I think it's changed for me. So in the very beginning, um, when I first experienced butterbeer, it was the frozen. Because I thought okay. it tasted creamier and all that stuff. And I think as I continue to visit the Wizarding World, I've reverted back to, I like the original. So it's the original with the foam for me. Unless mm-hmm. it's around the fall time, then it's hot butterbeer all the way. Right, right. What about I you? That. I mean, my order is the same. I like the original best followed closely behind with the frozen. And then, yeah, on a cooler day, like we've had some kind of cool weather these past couple of days. Would be great first thing in the morning to have a nice hot butter beer. Mm-hmm. Yum. I wish you could make it at home or something. I wish. I need to find. If anyone What's out the there has a, yeah, a recipe or a hack to get it as similar as possible, please let us know. Email us, please. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that bar area, though, there is an off-menu Deathly Hallows drink. What? However, due to licensing, they can't call it the Deathly Hallows drink. It is called The Triple but it re- represents the Deathly Hallows. It is a three-layer drink with golden strongbow cider on the bottom, amber-hued hogshead brew in the middle, and a dark layer of Guinness on top. So if you oh, want to have yourself the Deathly Hallows drink, you can't call it that. They'll pretend like they don't know what you're talking about. You specifically have to call it the triple. That sounds, I have literally have never heard of it until today. 
I know. I <gasps> wanted to try it when I went, but I had too much butter beer, too many, too many, too many, which would be too many butter beers. <laughs> By the time I went to get it, I literally just turned out and walked out of Hogshead because I was like, I'm going to vomit all over this place. I really oh can't gosh. be doing this anymore. <laughs> just too full with butter beer. Too full. And then lastly, my parking hack. I mean, this really just pertains to Universal Studios and Hollywood, not Orlando, because parking is subjective, you know, to each respective theme park. Here in um, Los Angeles, though, if you go to Universal Studios, there are residential streets immediately outside of the park. Pay attention to the signs. However, the majority of them you can park without a permit for free, especially on Saturdays and Sundays. Some of the streets do have two-hour time limits. However, those limits expire at 6 p.m., so you could technically park at 4 p.m., especially during these Halloween horror nights time frame, run into the park and not have to worry because once 6 p.m. comes, you're still good wherever you parked your car on a residential street. And then again, usually on Saturdays and Sundays, it's a free-for-all anyway. You may have to search a little bit if people know about this hack, so it might be a little trickier to find parking. But the prices have gone up inside the studios. It's at $28 for parking now, so if you're trying to budget, I highly recommend parking on a residential street, doing a maybe seven to eight minute walk over to the park, then take the shuttle up to the gates and you're good to go. Great hacks. Yeah, I noticed parking did go up to $28, like you said, and I was like, whoa, right. that's, <laughs> Disney. that's Disney price right there. Exactly. Wow. I know everyone is still, like businesses are still hurting from the pandemic. Uh, last I remember it was they're 20 or $25. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I went over the other day and so I was 28, I was like, oh, my turn, gosh. You turn. <laughs> Can I reverse out of here? Is it okay if we get the cars out from behind me? <laughs> you can. You'd be like, uh, I'm, I'm entering through the wrong gate. And right. Don't, don't let you turn around. That's, that's yeah, pretty expensive. It's good if you carpool because everybody can pitch in. But Absolutely. If you're by yourself, that's almost 30 bucks. That, mm, that's, a, what, four that's, and a half butter beers. That's a hoodie. <laughs> that is a hoodie. That is your house hoodie, guys. Are you going to sacrifice your house hoodie? for? for Come on. You can get a wand with that money. Right. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Very expensive. So yeah, those are, those are my hacks. Those are my tips. I hope that helps anyone who's planning a trip, uh, especially again with Halloween Horror Nights here. If we could save a buck or two in these variety of ways, do it, do it, do it. Great tips from Nikita. That'll help you guys work your way through the Wizarding World of Harry Potter just a little bit, a little bit quicker, especially that right hack. Love that. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing. For sure. And of course, final segment of the podcast, our shout out corner. And this is anything from, um, you know, small business, small brand shout out to a new favorite product that's at Trader Joe's. Really, anything goes here. And for today's shout out, I kind of, I kind of smushed two things into the one category because I'm doing a rock love jewelry shout out. You guys know that I am a huge fan of rock love jewelry um ceo allison Samino is a very lovely person got to meet her a couple times through and we chit chat every now and again uh via messages on instagram or twitter um lovely just so much talent for jewelry making and to kind of incorporate her love for geekdom into her jewelry all of her pieces are sterling silver um unless specified otherwise but most most of the time it's sterling silver and she creates 
some really amazing things for many fandoms from Star Wars to Star Trek, from DC to Marvel, all the Disney stuff. There's Magic the Gathering. There's literally so much stuff on her website. She's even done Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, and Pokemon stuff in the past as well, which sells out pretty quickly. Um, and this time, I want to shout out two items that released relatively around the same time. So RIP my bank account because I have to get them both. <laughs> <laughs> but first up is the Ahsoka Tano hoop earring. So this is in collaboration with Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka Tano in both Clone Wars and Rebels. And the first time they did this was in... I want to say 2019 and it was first released at Comic-Con and it was the Ahsoka Tano ring and it just has her mantras, her, you know, blue and white markings uh, in a form of a ring, which I was like, I have to have that ASAP. Um, so I got it the second year. So 2020, we didn't have a Comic-Con, but they released it around the time that Comic-Con would have happened. And because it's, it's centered around Ahsoka Tano, it definitely had her very special, recognizable blue and white marking in a bangle and in a like a medallion necklace and this year they brought back the ring but it's not the exact same design ahsoka's essentially grown up so this is more of her longer mantras and uh design uh based from her look in star wars rebels but then she also released these hoop earrings that i have in front of me so nikita will see them you guys will have to click on the link that's in the show notes uh in order to see but these are the ahsoka tano hoop earrings and it's kind of modeled after what her mantras were and her legs would look like you're kind of wearing that on your ears in the form of a hoop earrings it's got the blue and the white enamel it's sterling silver as the base very comfortable very gorgeous couldn't be more happy that i was able to acquire these because they're now sold out on the rock love mm -hmm. website but because it's in collaboration with Ashley Eckstein, who is the founder of her universe, so it's a kind of a simultaneous, simultaneous release by both companies. I believe it's still available, both the ring and the neck, and sorry, both the ring and the earrings on her universe. So if you want it, I would Ooh. say get it because they're not sold out yet, but they probably will be soon. And then the next thing. Uh, that I got is a necklace and I just had to have it. the second I saw it, I was like Allison why do you do this to me because <laughs> you know I have to have it um, you guys know over here at the Geek and Glitter podcast we're obsessed with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings the movie it is fantastic so Allison Samino and the team over at Rock Love designed four pieces total to celebrate Shang-Chi there is obviously the Ten Rings I mean it's individual individually sold but you could definitely buy 10 and what she did is they looked at the movie prop and they designed it to look just like that but they also kind of sized not down because it's you know sized to your wrist but it's thinner and smaller make it more wearable like for daily wear for the 10 rings but it still kept all the intricate designs it's on a hinge design so it opens and closes around your hand and it comes in two different sizes a larger one and a smaller one so if you want to layer them you can wear them like one woo and like shang chi you can you can do that if you want to wear just a single one you can do that too she has the 10 ring insignia in a form of a, a ring and a necklace and then this is like my favorite i had to have it even more so than the 10 rings bracelet, surprisingly, is the green necklace that you see around the neck of uh, Shang-Chi and his sister Xiaoling. 
in the film, which I actually also have right here. So I'm showing Nikita right now. So pretty. On camera, it's absolutely gorgeous. So if you've seen the movie, then you know what the necklace symbolizes. And I just thought that what a cool piece to have. Then I read a little bit more about it. The green isn't just some resin green, which, by the way, nothing wrong with resin jewelry. I have plenty of those. Um, but what Allison does is she likes to work with um, authentic gemstone. So the green is actually, um, I hopefully I'm saying this uh, name right, Aventurin. Aventurin. Um, it's a green stone. It's a bit translucent, so you can see different other pieces. And it's meant to be worn if you're into crystals and gemstones. Um, it's good to wear around the heart chakra because it's kind of works with the heart chakra, which, of course, a necklace hangs very close to your heart. Mm -hmm. So I've been wearing it a lot. It's uh, hung on a nice, sturdy leather cord. It's very comfortable, very lightweight. You would think because it's kind of looks a little bit big, but it's, right. it's actually it's actually you don't feel it. Um, it's, it. I would say it weighs as much, maybe a little bit more because it is on a leather cord. Um, but it feels the same as like my New Zealand uh, greenstone, the weight of it. Okay, okay. About that. Um, but it's gone. It's surprisingly gone with every outfit that I wore, whether it's dressy or casual. I've been wearing it since I've gotten it. And the movie just means so much to me that I wanted to have a little piece of the movie uh, on my person. So that is why I had to have both of these items. And that is my shout out corner pieces for today. I love it. I love both pieces for sure, but the necklace is just lovely. Maybe a little bit of Shang-Chi bias, but yeah, the necklace <laughs> is really, really cool. Very pretty. Thank and you. the fact that it's made with, you know, an actual gemstone. And like you said, not, you know, plastic or some other material that we would find more frequently. The thought and creativity that goes into it is so, so nice and meaningful. I love it so much. And there's like little details on the side because of the dragon scale. I don't know if Nikita can see that. Oh, there's yeah. There's a lot of detail because dragon does play a big part in the film. Uh, so like I, I just love that she put all the details in there. I will say if you have this necklace and you want to like shower with it, I say don't. Don't shower with it. So with Aventurian, you can get it wet. It's not one of those gemstones that it's, you know, gonna be damaged if it's if it's wet but you still shouldn't expose it you know too long to water right right that's what i would say i and, mean typically with most jewelry anyway you kind of want to be careful but that's good to know yeah just in case you're like a wear jewelry into the into the shower kind of person i would say maybe try not to do it with this one mm -hmm. uh and what do you have for your shout out corner nikita I have the sneakers that carried me to the finish line of the 5K. Yeah, nice. <laughs> These are the Nike React Escape Run uh, women's sneakers. These came after a solid week of sneaker research of trying to find something that would get me through the latter half of my uh, training period and definitely, obviously, through the race itself. I wanted enough time to break them in but also have, you know, something solid and sturdy and reliable on my feetsies. And these did not disappoint at all whatsoever. Um, they are currently on sale. They were originally $100, which is what I paid for them because they were not on sale at the time. However, they are now $80.97. So, it, right, if you are in the market for a new lightweight, which was of the most high importance for me, 
uh, running sneakers, I would jump on these ASAP because they are very, very popular, very well reviewed four and three quarter stars, which is pretty high for these running sneakers. Cause we know the running community can be very, very picky about what it says you should or should not have on your feet. So in terms of like product details, um, this is what sold me the fact that it has a foam cushion mm-hmm. makes it super, super durable, but also incredibly comfortable. The first time I put these sneakers on, I literally felt like I was walking on a cloud because they have a little bit of bounce to them, which for me is important when outdoor running because you need you need that support and that that give when running. So it's not hard impact that is destroying your knees, your legs, your lower back. You know, you really need to find good support for your sneakers when running. So again, when I put these on, I was like, I am walking on a cloud of sunshine. (laughs) They felt incredible. And I got mine true to size. I wear a nine and a half. And with about a week's run, time and breaking them in, they've molded to my feet and broken wonderfully. It did not take a long time to break them in at all whatsoever. And I didn't feel weird using one of my training runs to break them in. So typically you might hear like, oh, you should walk in your shoes first, you know, and then do what you need to do. But from what I read, a lot of people said these were good, you know, just put them on and go to break them in. I did that and and they were fine. I did not, you know, my ankles no were okay. Yeah, no blisters at all whatsoever. No toenails fell off or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> my feet survived. But that is me, obviously. You know your body better than anyone else. So if you typically break your shoes in in a different way, then do what works best for you. Yes. I wouldn't want to see comments of, well, Nikita said to just wear them and go and then my legs And then my off. toenails fell off. <laughs> No, no, no. Do what works best for you. Um, but again, they're lightweight, super important when running. You can't be running with bricks on your feet. And I love the upper part of the shoes. So the uppers are made of mesh, which makes them super breathable. My feet don't feel like they're suffocating or sweating to death inside of them. And again, all around, I get, I would give it a full five-star uh, rating or review because they worked to break me into the midpoint of my training. And again, I I felt I personally had a great run for the 5K itself. And they took me from the 5K run through my day walking around Universal Studio immediately afterward. And I cannot complain at all whatsoever. So I recommend you get them if you are, again, in the market for running shoes. They have some fun colors. I picked up the teal mint color because I thought it was fun and kind of summery. They have standard, you know, black or white, but also some other color combinations to whatever kind of floats your boat. I love that so much. Highly do recommend. You, do you feel like you need a new pair of shoes every marathon? Because you've got two coming up. I don't think every marathon, but because I use them for my training and the, you know, the race itself, I think I will need to replace these after the um, the Thanksgiving turkey trot. Maybe if I do a December run, I can carry them through one more set of like four weeks of training and a race. But then definitely by Christmas, New Year's, I'll need a new pair. And I'm because I love these so much, I'm more than happy getting another pair of these same exact shoes. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, how how fun! Just kind of listening to your experience running the marathon and like learning. Look, I don't plan on running a marathon ever, so I'm living vicariously <laughs> through you. Um, I don't have a problem with running, but the five k just scares me. Which, if you think like three miles, when I was younger and we we did cheerleading in um, back in high school, this is not even college, and our cheer coach was definitely hardcore it was for cheerleading camp in the summer i thought it was going to be painting banners you know those big banners that right. run through at the home games i thought it was going to be painting banners learning cheers making whatever little crafty things we sell for fundraise no we we did bleachers we weight trained Ooh. Ooh. girl it was three miles in the morning and three miles at night <gasps> twice a day twice oh a my day gosh. i mean i was the fit i have ever looked and also i was in high school so you know when you were younger, your body adjusts very quickly, but right. I think it's left some trauma. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, yeah, there's some latent trauma still lingering. <laughs> Just sitting there crying, I don't want to run another three miles. <laughs> How long is this camp? <laughs> right, right. But I do love hearing about your experience and all the stuff that you're using, you're wearing. So please keep us updated as you, you know, continue with your marathon journey. If you find any new stuff, we'd love to hear about it in the shout out corner. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this has been a great way to, like you said, try out new things. So I'm more than happy to keep everyone up to date. Amazing. And with that, that is this episode, episode 60. There you have it. And you guys, the Geek and Glitter podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're basically wherever you download podcasts. So go ahead and do it. Download it. Also, give us some readings, five stars. We love them here. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, it's just a really, really quick, quick little click. Uh, of course, if you're listening on Anchor, which is where this podcast is hosted, you can leave us a voicemail. We can listen and play it back on a future episode. And if you have questions, you have recommendations, you want to share your own marathon journey, you can email us at geekandglitter at gmail.com. That is geek, the letter N, glitter at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, anything like that, we will answer them in a future episode. Nikita, thanks for joining me for episode 60. Where can, woo -woo. Where can everybody <laughs> find you on social media? I am on Instagram at Nikita.Francois and everywhere else at Nikita Francois. And you can find me Instagram, Twitter, everywhere at Wendy Lee Zaney. And of course, you can follow Geek and Glitter on Instagram and on Twitter at Geek and Glitter or at the website www.geekandglitter.com. And we will catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.